This podcast will discuss controversial subjects and what some may think is a derogatory way. We fully respect everyone's freedom of religion and our freedom of speech. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Remedial Sunday School, where we provide our friend Jen with the Sunday school she missed while growing up secular. And I contribute with the colorful commentary. I'm Tanya, a slightly traumatized former Catholic. I'm Claire, born in the Bible Belt and now living in the Midwest. And I'm Jen. I grew up a godless heathen in a happy secular household. I'm looking forward to being traumatized by the same stories that Tanya and Claire were. Solidarity. So you guys, why don't we explain the hows and whys of why we decided to make this podcast? I study medieval art and religion, an occupation in part motivated by never getting the answers I wanted about how women practice Christianity. I saw the Veggie Tales Jonah movie in theaters and may have participated in biblical skits in the backyard with my homeschool friends in kindergarten. I'm also a scholar of medieval art and religion who has been known to drop some innocuous Christian facts in my day-to-day life. And I'm a scholar of pre-modern and early modern Japanese literature and visual culture. I'd like to assure you all that technically I'm a certified smart person, but Japanese studies has not really helped me understand very much about the Bible and other religious things. Thus, I have had my mind blown by some pretty basic knowledge about Jesus stuff that uh, Tanya and Claire have just dropped in everyday conversation. Basically, Claire and I, with a group of circulating guests and friends, will provide Jen with the religious education she missed through the lens of our grown-up scholarly experience. Yes, this shall be the most professional, rigorously academic of all podcasts. As always, sources, interesting images, reading recommendations, and whatever else we think might be hilarious will be posted along with the episode. Have you been missing that awkward passing of the offering plate in church? Have you never felt the awkward sensation of donating your pocket money to the offering plate at church? Or the awkward sensation of dropping your quarters and hearing them roll down the floor of the sanctuary? Have we got a digital solution for you? You can help support the Remedial Sunday School podcast through our Patreon, which has a variety of different tiers, including the summer school option where you help offset our SoundCloud hosting costs and buy snack food for the people we rope into helping us edit this, as well as more involved tiers of support where we'll send you random knickknacks, stickers, etc. Who knows? All the details are on our website. Or if you feel led to help caffeinate your remedial Sunday school teachers, we would love you forever. And you can buy us a coffee at the link to buy us a coffee on our website. As always, thank you. You'll be in our hearts. Today's topic is Christ the bad boy. Note the spelling, boy with an I. That's right, (laughs) folks. It's going to be a wild one. I'm so excited. Yes. (laughs) We're going to explain some of Jesus's pre-dying for your sins shenanigans. And note, But these shenanigans were also not really part of our Sunday school experience growing up. Oh, so this is going to be radical and, you know, not what you get in Sunday school. So this is even remedial Sunday school. This is just revised Sunday school. (laughs) If you were a medieval person in the Greek or Western Latin world, you would have been familiar with these stories, most likely. Depending on the time, place, but kind of like what Claire and I talked about in the sex episode. (laughs) And also, but it may have actually just been in the Genesis episode. We would probably still file some of these works as uh, Christ child fan fiction. Yes. So these are not the stories that would show up in what we call the canonical or official stamp of approval gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which generally don't talk much about Jesus's childhood. Hmm. They gloss right over it. Or bad, just sort of skip over that entirely. He was born, he went to Egypt. Except in one where (laughs) he like ditches his parents and they get all worried. But it's for an important reason like that makes him look good of like, it's not a bad 
he goes to the temple or the synagogue and is reading and studying and like so did mark mike joe and whoever else you mentioned before did they uh <laughs> did they actually know uh christ while growing up or were they kind of coming to him after like post that's okay my understanding is that all of the gospel writers they took the oral traditions and wrote them down but none of i don't believe any of them actually knew him okay. in their life i mean we can just google this and double check <laughs> but it's my understanding none of them did. And actually, I very clearly remember when I was in private Catholic school as a child being kind of confused because I thought the gospel writers must have been like some of his disciples, but they're not. They're not his disciples. Is this John? Also, I thought John was. They didn't have that fancy last dinner with him where he's like in the middle of the picture. It's confusing because there's a lot of people with similar overlapping names. Um, and. Okay. Oh my God! Um, there's so many Johns. There's there's a uh, John the Baptist who's Jesus's cousin, which uh, <laughs> one of the genesis of this podcast, <laughs> which blew Jen's mind when I mentioned offhand that Jesus had a cousin, and she was like, "What?" <laughs> but like, I think even in the Gospels, they don't always claim to be like Mar- the Gospel of Mark is like Mark's like, "Yeah, I'm friends with someone else, and like I'm writing hmm. down their stories." Okay. These names were assigned to the works by the early church fathers in the second century CE. None of the writers signed their work. So that's probably not even their actual real names. So my version of Mark, Mike, and Joe and everything, it's probably just as accurate I mean, that could have, written down. That could have been their names. Yeah, that could have <laughs> been their names. Um, I think that is fairly possible. Because pretty much what happens, kind of like what we were talking about in this, definitely in the sex episode, S-E-C-T-S, not S-E-X, <laughs> because I know that I say that word fast, and it may sound the same. Thanks, hominids. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> that Yay. is the right word for words that sound the same, but are spelled differently. It's been a while since I don't know, I'm not a word, I'm not a yeah, word it, person, it is... but that's Jen. Yeah, it is a hominis. Synonym is uh, the one where they uh, mean the same thing, but they are they are different um, sounding. Okay. Anyways, what you're saying in the sex episode is that we have like all these different church councils. And during one of these church councils is when they go through all of the texts and they standardize them and then also decide which books go in and out of the official kind of canonical Bible and that is part of kind of how that all formed by a bunch of really probably old white dudes sitting around and deciding that for the world. But I, I just so, went and skimmed like the entries of the first four canonical gospels. They're not really going through and introducing themselves. Like one so, has a dedication to someone with a name, but none of them really identify themselves or give any credentials of like why they're so no. like legit about writing like what what sort of well, like <laughs> yeah and also the thing is too to remember is that all of these gospels and even it's true with judaism or not quite islam but i mean yes islam but also not uh, quite especially with the christian um, gospels they were all but, written down several decades after the fact so yeah they were all based on oral tradition that were then later written down which okay. can lead to some messiness just of like mm. yeah telephone of things mm-hmm. and also these were edited and a lot if you go through and read the bible you'll find little asterisks or things in italics that are like this doesn't seem like it quite fits in here and it probably was added later by someone else to make this line up with something else like this is especially true in like one of the timothys or some something uh, this would be like something that might have been added in or whatever by like the council of nice guys uh back in the day <laughs> maybe not by them but like yeah <laughs> like especially it's a lot of it's a lot of it with passages about like what women should and shouldn't do oh of course of course, yeah, yeah, of course. sadly yes <laughs> but seem to have a lot of opinions on that <laughs> shocker but all this to say is those are the canonical gospels and we're looking at the non-canonical Indeed. Gospels. I'm very excited Indeed. for the non-canon. These are also some still pretty old assemblages of things, but they don't quite meet the same standard as the, the official four. Which makes them more fun. Mm-hmm. It does make them more fun. That doesn't mean that they were like on the banned parchment scroll list. No. 
There was no. a banned parchment scroll list? No. Oh, okay. Really. I mean, <laughs> that would be exciting. Yes, I, I was very excited. I was like, oh, wow, we need to have an episode on the banned stuff. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there is some stuff that were considered like, oh, but I, I like heretical, kind of like the Cathars that we talked about in our sex episode. Mm, okay. But this is not it. This falls in a middle ground of where, yeah, even if it wasn't like super duper approved and like, we're going to have lessons on this in the middle ages at church all the time. It's like, it wasn't like it was that so level popular. Of, but it was popular and it had a generally accepted moral message that like let it survive in this sort of not quite folk tale, but like generally recognized story of Jesus's adolescence and childhood. And one reason too, we know that it was popular. I mean, there's several reasons, but kind of where Claire and I come from is that we have artistic depictions of people representing scenes from these stories that are not in the canonical text. So something that deals with my own research is about like the virgin spinning and weaving the temple veil. That is not in any of the canonical texts, but we have depictions of it over and over and over again throughout the medieval period. So like it's not canonical, but at the same time they knew about it and it was popular mm-hmm. enough that it showed up other places. And some of these did circulate as books that were owned by, and one reason we have some of the records is owned by elites who could read. So, and also like biblical scholars and stuff at the time. So that's kind of like the ba- some of the background on that. But uh, yeah, I would still say that it kind of falls under some of our, kind of like the Lilith fan fiction. This is kind of like Jesus as a child fan fiction. <laughs> what sort of things did Jesus get up to with his friends while we're growing up? Well, First, I'm sure it'll be totally we normal. To Jesus's uh, stories with his friends. I guess we'll start with um, what's called the Proto Evangelium of James, which is chronologically speaking, um, in terms of who it refers to, right? Of like the timeline of characters, not like when it shows up as a piece of parchment or. I have a real quick and I'm sure easy question for clarity: What does Evangelium mean? so question so actually i do know about this we call the evangelists so the matthew mark luke and john or whatever names that jen assigned them um (laughs) it's coming off of i believe it's a greek word that is that they're bringing good news so it's like these are the good news bringers so the proto evangelum is like pre or like the first iteration of good news so proto yeah okay Okay. i'm sure if our advisor listened to this uh part right here he would be just squirming because he's really into words and um (laughs) yeah that was probably really cringy for people who are really is he dying a little on the inside right now he must be (laughs) probably sorry this is the proto-evangelium of james oh oh, real quick Oh, I was just going to ask Jen if she had any questions of the of James part of the title or if that was Um, pretty self-explanatory. Well, I assume that James is one of those Mark, Mike, and Bob, and Wade, and uh, John, and all those. No, he's not. Is it the King James? Now now I'll let Claire, (laughs) who's about to tell us who James was, I just wanted to clarify if you uh, had any questions of the words of and James. Okay. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm eager to hear the clarification because I only know so many Jameses. Probably not this one. <laughs> okay. So I am getting this information from the excellent introduction in the new critical edition of the Proto Evangelium of James, written by Lily C. Wong, who is associate professor of religious studies at Central Washington University. So up in Woo-hoo! your neck of the woods, or soon to be neck of the woods, Jen. And she has written a book on gender and purity in the Protoevangelium of James. I'm about to suggest a drinking game where you take a drink every time you say <laughs> Protoevangelium, but that might not be good for your liver. Um, Probably not, no. This text has had a lot of titles. So in 1552, Guillaume Postel sort of reintroduced the text to the West, although sort of the stories again were sort of familiar before then i um i would like to debate that with the uh 
FNC Gospel of Pseudo-Matthew, which came out earlier. That was the introduction to the West. But because the Pseudo-Matthew is not the same. It's just a lot of the same stories. But yeah. probably a full like translation of the Greek to the Latin, I would agree, probably didn't happen until, you know, 15, whatever you just said. But I do want to say that so, there was a written text in medieval West. Anyways, yeah. sorry. It wasn't like no one had ever heard of it before. It was just a reintroduction of this particular version. And this dude called it, I'm not even going to try to read the Latin because it's going to be ugly, but I'll read the English translation. Do it. Do it. Okay. Pro Evangelium, siwe de Natalibus Jesu Christi e Ipsius Matris Virginis Mariae, Sermo Historicus Dewi Jacobi Minoris. You definitely said that with a German uh, accent, and I just want to point that out. Yeah, yeah, I really noticed that too. It was very, uh, you know. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Jen doesn't know, but I do. Damn it. Okay. Anyway, that translates to... The proto-gospel, or the births of Jesus Christ and his virgin mother, Mary. A historical discourse of St. James, the less. Wow. <laughs> Dis much. He is the lesser James. <laughs> Who is the greater James, I want? <laughs> James the Greater, I think, is the author of the book of James, or supposed author of the book of James in the New Testament, who, depending on who you ask, is Jesus's brother or cousin. Okay. Oh, my God. I have a great story about James. It's like my favorite safe story. So James, who's supposed to be the brother of Jesus. One of his siblings, by the way. Jesus had a brother? (laughs) Depending on uh, which infancy gospel that you read, he actually had several siblings, some of them women, but I Mm. only think one of them has a name, and I think his name is James. (laughs) Seems like a real oversight by the parents to not give all of their children names. I I guess they numbered them. But supposedly (laughs) Mary and Joseph got it on after she gave birth to Jesus and uh which we will be talking about the nativity for our Christmas episode so hold your pants for that <laughs> um so James dies in Israel I believe and so he dies and then after he dies his body gets out of its grave a zombie mm-hmm. and he finds a boat and he gets in the boat and then the boat drifts off into the Mediterranean and it makes its way across the Mediterranean Sea, around the Straits of Gibraltar, north to northwestern Spain, lands, a shepherd goes out and finds this little boat with James's remains on it and is like, oh, it's St. James. I must dedicate a church to St. James. And that's the founding of Santiago de Compostela, which is one of the major pilgrimage sites in medieval Europe. <laughs> Just any time there's a man talking in the Bible, it's, oh. I've had wine, but at least I'm not high today. So well, there you go. there's that. <laughs> Pointing to I was going to say the way of St. James is still quite popular um, for both religious purposes and non-religious purposes. It's If you've ever heard of someone going to hike the Camino de Santiago, they're doing the pilgrimage across the north of Spain to St. James's church. I know someone who did that this summer and I'm super jealous and I really want to do it and we should do it, Claire. To any listeners who might be unfamiliar, think of it like the Appalachian Trail, but across northern Spain, mostly by Throughout people France. doing religious things. Okay. We can talk about medieval pilgrimage at some other point, but really fucking cool. I really want to do it as a huge medievalist nerd, and I will do it with Claire and maybe Jen. But I feel like Jen would just like rent a car. <laughs> I see that. Just like it'll be like, oh my god, I already have this vision. Okay, we're like walking the route, and Jen's just like it's like we're in like one of those race cars or like during the Tour de France. And Jen, who has a driver because Jen does not drive, and uh, <laughs> is like, are you okay? Do you need some water? Would you like a sandwich? <laughs> yeah. And then we're just like, she, Jen's just like handing waters out to us. And we're just like throwing them back in the car. I have like nutrient gels and little pouches for you to like quickly down like they do with like, you know, the Tour de France yeah. and stuff. And, and I'll be like, okay, guys, have fun. And I close the door and the air conditioning's back on. I put on my sunglasses again. I'm just like, all right, let's listen to like wine and crime. <laughs> So 
Um, <laughs> if anyone thinks that sounds like a fantastic thing to like experience via a podcast, you're more than welcome to contact us about sponsorship opportunities. <laughs> yes, if you would like to donate to our Patreon so that Claire and I can give live reports from our pilgrimage hike in northwest spain <laughs> we'll even throw in some food recommendations and we will eat all sorts of stuff pretty much as long as we know we don't have an allergy to it we'll try it once so, so the proto-evangelium anyways. of james um <laughs> sorry to inform people of our our our, uh, our vacation ideas so the proto-evangelium of james mostly focuses on jesus's mother mary and her childhood expanding her backstory um, mm. and since we're on like a fanfic tangent you could think of this as like when harry potter was coming out and jk rowling like mentioned the marauders and people took it upon themselves to write like longer than harry potter series about the marauders mm. sort of like that but with mary okay could this also be like how when gilmore girls suddenly ended way too soon and that last episode was shit and then like all these people wrote like all these fantastical fan fiction <laughs> endings for Gilmore Girls that were better than the new series yeah so it's mostly about Mary's childhood and Mary going to the temple and ignoring the fact that none of this is grounded in any like actual reality for like what Jewish girls and first century Palestine would have done but also we will also cover this more in depth in a later episode too but all yeah. this to say is that Mary is generally well-behaved, obedient, non-controversial child. That's convenient. Proto- right. <laughs> Having known and been, um, you know, a teenage girl at uh, some point in my life, I doubt that. <laughs> I was not well-behaved. I just gave off that appearance. So, Well, you know, maybe that's what happened. We, we don't know um, exactly what hilarious shenanigans Mary got up to because she was like good girl on the outside, but then like real troublemaker, you know, when, when the I parents mean, and the adults will, weren't looking. I will say I was the Virgin Mary two years in a row <laughs> when I was in private Catholic school for a Christmas play. I was a gingerbread man once in the, in the holiday play. Uh, not Joseph Smith? Uh, no, this would have been when I was still living in Florida. So, uh, uh, <laughs> so an was, alligator. Uh, I wish. A friend, uh, of, <laughs> a friend of mine though used to teach elementary school and like one of her students invited her to like their Christmas pageant or something and there was like a whole musical number about Joseph Smith and she was like oh, I didn't she didn't I know this like to watch that and hear the song maybe not sung by children Claire tell us about Jesus being bad like I said the proto-evangelium of James and its backstory on Mary is pretty normal-ish, right? Like, she's <laughs> a good model of behavior, especially um, what women were supposed to behave like, perhaps. I don't know. But in the Gospel of Thomas, or the infancy of Thomas, it's got a lot of names, this is not what they would put on. Or- this is not what they would have think- taught you in Sunday school. This is This would never be picked to be, like, the theme of Vacation Bible School Week. It wouldn't. It just wouldn't. So I'm going to read from this, and I'm reading from Ronald F. Hawke's translation. The best of Hawke. It starts out with, I, Thomas the Israelite, am reporting to you, all my non-Jewish brothers and sisters, to make known the extraordinary childhood deeds of our Lord Jesus Christ, what he did after his birth in my region. This is how it all started. When this boy, Jesus, was five years old, he was playing at the ford of a rushing stream. He was collecting the flowing water into ponds and made the water instantly pure. He did this with a single command. He then made soft clay and shaped it into 12 sparrows. He did this on the Sabbath day and many other boys were playing with him. But when a Jew saw what Jesus was doing while playing on the Sabbath day, he immediately went and told Joseph, Jesus' father, See here, your boy is at the ford and has taken mud and fashioned twelve birds with it, and so has violated the Sabbath. Like a forbidden clay-molding rule for the Sabbath or something? You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. I mean, it sounds like he was playing, though. Also, what I'm kind of confused, so is he making clay birds that they're still clay, or was he making birds from clay and then bringing them to life? Because that may be work. Hmm. then again i would come to life yet okay okay Ah, i think also spoiler alert tanya geez 
Sorry, I have not actually read this part in depth. I was just trying to figure out since you're not supposed to work, because if he had made them alive, I feel like that's work. I think there's also a problem with the purifying of the water. Oh, okay. Um, so you yeah, can't pur- uh, purify things on a. I guess I don't know if it's actually Sunday or if it's a some other day of the week at this point. Also, purifying water, I guess, just. Like, fuck him. Like, go drink your brain-eating and amoebas and shit. Like, mm. Yeah, this guy shouldn't be complaining about out, purified like, water. We've got a fairly anti-Jewish rhetorical tone here. Um, you know, I was detecting that a little bit. It seems like, like, can you believe this fucking narc? <laughs> Not minding his own business. But when a Jew saw what Jesus was doing, like, Jesus is Jewish, so... There's some us versus them tones going on. I mean, also, this is, like, not a very sexy first miracle. Like, first miracle is, like, supposed to be, like, turning water into wine, right? Yeah, that's 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 pretty rad. That's way more fun. Back to (laughs) the story. Yes. So this unnamed person rats on Jesus and Mm -hmm. go gets Joseph, Jesus's father, to um, yell at him. Yeah, I was going to say, it's more like a stepdad, right? But Jesus simply clapped his hands and shouted to the sparrows, Be off, fly away, and remember me, you who are now alive. And the sparrows took off and flew away noisily. All right. The Jews watched with amazement, then left the scene to report to their leaders what they had seen Jesus doing. Okay. I mean, that sounds pretty pretty rad, taking play birds and turning them to real birds. I don't know. Seems like they're making much ado over something rad, but okay, like negative well, ado. Hold on. Your hats because oh, the story boy. is going to get a bit more crazy. Oh, Jesus is going to live up to the bad boy name. The son of Annas, the scholar standing there with Jesus, took a willow branch and drained the water Jesus had collected. Jesus, however, saw what had happened and became angry, saying to him, Damn you, you irreverent fool! What harm did the ponds of water do to you? From this moment, you too will dry up like a tree and you'll never produce leaves or root or bear fruit. Remember, wow. Jesus is five years old. Okay, so he just like straight up sterilized a dude for fucking with his water. No, 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 no. In an instant, the boy had completely withered away. So he, he killed died. someone. He then dies. Jesus departed and left for the house of Joseph. The parents of the boy who had withered away picked him up and were carrying him out, sad because he was so young. And they came to Joseph and accused him. It's your fault. Your boy did all this. I mean, that seems fair. That seems fair. <laughs> And then, I don't know about withered away. Maybe he's just like, sickly. the other translation. Because then it says, later he was going through the village again when a boy ran by and bumped him on the shoulder. Jesus got angry and said to him, you won't continue your journey. And all of a sudden he fell down and died. Some what people saw what had happened and said, where has this boy come from? Everything he says happens instantly. Yeah. The parents of the dead boy came to Joseph and blamed him saying, because you have such a boy, you can't live with us in the village. Or else teach him to bless and not curse. He's killing our children. Yes, that's pretty fucked up. And he takes the lesson to heart, right? You can't just go around withering and killing people. So Joseph summoned his child and admonished him in private, saying, Why are you doing all this? These people are suffering, and so they hate and harass us. To be fair. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Jesus said, I know that the words I spoke are not my words. Still, I'll keep quiet for your sake. But those people must take their punishment. There and then, his accusers became blind. What the fuck? (laughs) So he kills or maims the children. And then they're like, hey, could you not? So he makes it so they can't even, you know, make their livelihood anymore in those days if they're completely blind. So he just kind of fucks the family from the top down then too. Uh, Great. This what a cool kid. (laughs) Also, just think about it when you were a kid about like if you were bullied or anything, being able to like murder all the people who bullied you and then also blind their entire family yeah i mean it that just actually does seem- sound appealing to me as someone who was bullied a lot in private catholic school that actually sounds like uh, i mean probably would have been all about that i wouldn't necessarily classify what these people were doing as bullying like the shoulder bumping seems like a straight up accident uh, yeah, that was totally an accident. That was just, that was just, <laughs> just like, like so my bad. Have you been around children? Yeah. Children don't watch where they're going ever. No, ever. No. They'd walk out into the street in front of a car if you didn't like grab them. Yeah, but then like, so, and then the other one was like, you know, yeah, sure, he messed with his little water puddles or whatever. It's like, you, you can make more. There's a lot of water. Apparently, you got a stream. It's not hard for you, apparently. So the story continues. Those who saw this became very fearful and at a loss. All they could say was, every word he says 
whether good or bad, has become a deed, a miracle even. When Joseph saw that Jesus had done such a thing, he got angry and grabbed his ear and pulled very hard. The boy became infuriated with him and replied, It's one thing for you to seek and not find. It's quite another for you to act this unwisely. Don't you know that I don't really belong to you? Don't make me upset. You're not a real okay. dad. Miracle is an interesting <laughs> adjective that they have used to describe the things that Jesus has done uh, in this town so far. Maybe there's a different word in the original Greek that's being used that has a slightly broader meaning, but generally I conceive of a miracle as being something kind of positive. But uh, this seems more like curses. How did this child not get accused of being a witch and burned at the stake in this time? That's a post-medieval phenomenon. Oh, sorry. Uh, yes, I don't know. Uh, witches. Stone? Uh, were... I don't know. I mean, Stephen got stoned. That's true. But not because what? he was a witch, because he was a saint. Continuing on with the infancy gospels. You're not my real dad. Sort of sets up. I don't know what this is setting up entirely. But the next part of the story is how someone named Zacchaeus who I don't think is the short Zacchaeus that you sing the little song about. Do do the Catholics sing the song about Zacchaeus? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So I'm going to say no. Okay. I also Um, don't know, but that's also not surprising. for a song. Yes. I don't entirely remember the song. Um, You can can paraphrase. I don't believe you. Singing paraphrase. (laughs) Let me Google the lyrics. Maybe I'll just play it. Zakia sounds like a model of a car. Um, okay. I don't know if we can legally do that, Claire, to play random music. It's true. You just have to sing it. Well, I mean, you might be able to sample well, like a small, small part of it. Okay, uh, I'm gonna. I think so. I'll, I'll read the lyrics. So it's this. It's a story from the Gospel of Luke about Zacchaeus, the tax collector of Jericho, who's also short. Um, oh, okay. who climbs a tree to be able to see Jesus, and then. Wait, wait, wait. How sure are we talking that he needs to climb a tree to see Jesus? Jesus is like surrounded by a crowd of people. So I think there's also some oh, dynamic okay. going on. Okay. I, I feel side. personally targeted right now due to my height. <laughs> Considering that Jin is a giantess <laughs> and I am a very, very short person. And I know that Claire is maybe an inch taller than me. Tanya is very generous with saying giantess. <laughs> I would like to clarify that I am all of like five foot, four inches. So uh, I don't think by any uh, non-short I'm person only, standards, I would I'm be a giantess. But, but unless you I could was reach the, a thermostat. That's Jen true. could reach um, a thermostat that I, I was the, the office Amazon. Uh <laughs> So I don't remember the entire melody, but I'll read you the lyrics. Make one the up. The lyrics That's are, fine. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Uh, Wikipedia says here you're supposed to pantomime climbing a tree. Um, oh, good. Because all good <laughs> vacation Bible school songs have hand motions. Perfect. Um, of course. For the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today. What? That's the song. It doesn't quite, it doesn't quite rhyme. <laughs> they dropped the rhyming scheme for that part. <laughs> I don't, I don't like that at all. Like as a song? Also, or... Yeah. Do you hear it? Oh. terms of like exciting childhood songs um i give this one like a two out of ten it's just about jesus telling someone to come down from a tree and then he's gonna go to his house this is not exciting (laughs) i feel yes i don't like it i prefer gregorian chant any day over contemporary childhood and also contemporary worship music which We'll probably also be an episode at some point about, or a bonus episode about why Christian worship music is so fucking bad. You want to see me? I told you at the time I was at this tea shop in Portland on my honeymoon that was in an old caboose and you could climb up into the top part of the caboose and drink your tea. I have, I have heard about this. Yes. How's it? Does it relate to? I don't think Jen has heard about this. 
Oh, Anyways, no. I was sitting there with my husband drinking my tea on one side of the caboose, and there's like three randos were on the other, like a little seating area in the top of the caboose. And they just like start singing Gregorian chant. Hmm. All right. I'm jealous. It was very weird. That's better than the time I went to Mellow Mushroom when I lived in during my master's. And I went to Mellow Mushroom and got pizza with, I think it was Tanner. Anyways, I went and got pizza. And then all of these like choir people who were really into glee just started a cappella singing. And I wanted to die. I think I ordered another drink. The Zacchaeus <laughs> and the Infancy Gospel of Thomas is not the short Zacchaeus that the famous, <laughs> infamous song is about. This is oh. apparently just random Jewish elementary school teacher Zacchaeus. Elementary school teacher Zacchaeus hears Jesus, I guess, threatening his father. <laughs> Why was he hiding out? Was he just like listening, like under the window, and he just pops up in the window? Like, hey. he's like, this child is <laughs> smart. But, but he like, just says, I've heard about this kid. I've I've really got to go check him out. Got to you know spy on him and just you it's know. It's not maybe totally can... clear. He just says he's listening to everything Jesus is saying to Joseph. He's astonished by Jesus' smartness. Mm-hmm. or soccer whatever so he summons joseph and says to joseph you have a bright child and he has a good mind hand him over to me so he can learn his letters i'll teach him everything he needs to know so as not to be unruly okay so, so if someone oh, comes oh. up to you and asks you to give them your child after listening in i vote don't do that yeah but that's, that's like number me. one I have a follow-up for I that. Uh, sketch. So sketch. Yeah. Oh, there's this some, like, is creepy. And then two. There's some sarcastic banter coming up. Oh. What kind of person says, oh, this kid is going around killing children for extremely minor transgressions and blinding their whole family. That's a challenge I want to take up. <laughs> Apparently it's a kid. <laughs> He's like, I feel like this is like Professor, Professor X with the X-Men mm. is like, oh, <laughs> Come send me your special child who may kill us all. So Joseph is talking. He says, no one is able to rule this child except God alone. Don't consider him to be a small cross brother. Small Um, cross brother. What does that mean? No, small cross, comma, brother. Uh, Wait, don't consider Uh, him a small cross? Don't consider him to be a small cross. I think it's just really bad foreshadowing of the crucifixion. Oh, it's grim. Yeah, I mean... But also, I, Joseph I don't, might be part of the problem with the parenting. He obviously has been really bad at disciplining from the beginning. Like, yeah. you have to start at the beginning. Because if you don't, mm-hmm. they'll run all over you. Yeah, so, this is this is like a Karen who is, like, in line at Starbucks with her brood of children. And, like, they're running around all over the place. And then, like, one other person lines, like, hey, could you not? And she's like, don't yell at my kids! And then she goes, like, full freak out. And then you take a, a video of it and you post it on public freakouts. <laughs> Joseph, you're part of the problem. You're a Karen. So Jesus heard Joseph saying this. He laughs and says to Zacchaeus, believe me, teacher, what my father told you is true. I am the Lord of these people and I'm present with you and have been born among you and am with you. I know where you've come from and how many years you live. I swear to you, teacher, I existed when you were born. If you wish to be a perfect teacher, listen to me and I'll teach you a wisdom that no one else knows except for me and the one who sent me to you. It's you who happen to be my student, and I know how old you are and how long you have to live. When you see the cross that my father mentioned, then you'll believe that everything I've told you is true. I just want to say that this kind of reminds me of a dude I went to high school with who used to argue with our teachers about, like, calculus and be like, you're wrong. And it's like, you are a 18-year-old boy, child, and these people have literally been teaching calculus for like longer than you've been alive so maybe shut the fuck up like why are you arguing with them i do love some man-on-man mansplaining it is fun to see but god this fucking kid i would be dead the second i was around this child because i'd be like hey kid just shut the fuck up so (laughs) we're gonna fast forward a bit and professor x tells joseph to bring him to the classroom so he can teach him the alphabet and he begins instruction by repeating the letter alpha many times and jesus apparently doesn't like this or is bored or something i mean it does sound well doesn't technically (laughs) he already know the alphabet he gets really mad and recites the entire alphabet to prove that he knows the alphabet i wonder if this is how like child prodigies feel whenever they like go to college and they're like oh calculus but they're already doing like 
differential equations and shit and then are just like writing math theories on the board jesus tells professor x listen teacher and observe the arrangement of the first letter how it has two straight lines or strokes proceeding to a point in the middle gathered together elevated dancing three-cornered two-cornered not antagonistic of the same family providing the alpha has lines of equal measure i don't know what professor x is impressed by this description because and he hears the child expressing such intricate allegories regarding the first letter. He despaired of defending his teaching. He spoke to those who were present. Poor me. I'm utterly bewildered, wretch that I am. I've heaped shame on myself because I took on this child. So take him away, I beg you, brother Joseph. I can't endure <laughs> the severity of his look or his lucid speech. This child is no ordinary mortal. He can even tame fire. Perhaps he was born before the creation of the world. What sort of womb bore him? What sort of mother nourished him? I don't know. Poor Very me, friends, one. I've lost my mind. I've deceived <laughs> myself. I am wholly wretched. I strove to get a student and I've been found to have a teacher. It keeps going on. This is a lot of self Yeah, this sounds like Jesus was a real problem child and a real asshole about everything. And so teachers like oh my god i need to get this kid out of my fucking classroom and so he goes up to his parents like oh your kid's so gifted he's so gifted you you just need to put him you just need to you know skip a grade or two because he's just so incredibly gifted can we back up and talk about the he can tame fire are you like trying to teach him and he's just like manipulating fire in his hands or something or like that did kind I, of seem to come i don't out know nowhere. where that came from i didn't hmm. skip over any taming of fire i know you wouldn't you know how much I love fire and fire temples. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Jesus goes back to his normal shenanigans. Of killing children? Well, there's a twist on it. Okay. He kills three kids instead of just the two. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, what a twist. A few days later, Jesus is playing on the roof of a house. Okay. When one of the other children playing with him fell off the roof and died. When the other children saw what had happened, they fled, leaving Jesus standing all by himself. Parents of the dead child came and accused Jesus. You troublemaker, you. You're the one who threw him down. Jesus responded, I didn't throw him down. He threw himself down. He just wasn't being careful and leaped down from the roof and died. Jesus. Way to victim blame. Yeah. <laughs> Way to victim blame. <laughs> then Jesus himself leaped down from the roof and stood by the body of the child and shouted in a loud voice, Zeno, because apparently that's his kid's name. Get up and tell me, did I push you? Zeno gets up immediately and said no lord you didn't push me you raised me up and everyone praises god for the miracle and worships jesus so does he does he stay alive so does this kid stay alive yeah. after this or does he he stays alive go back apparently. to being dead no. okay no, he stays okay. alive he's a very sassy child well maybe if your kid wasn't so fucking clumsy he wouldn't have fucking died by falling off a roof <laughs> i hate him so the next story is he heals someone who cuts off the bottom of his foot while chopping wood uh, that's that's, well, that's okay nice does he seven. does he shame them for you know being clumsy with an axe and maybe you no know, apparently not death? Ooh, now a year has happened jesus is now six and his mother sent him to draw water and bring that's, it back to the house that's an eventful five-year-old life but now he's six anyway mary well, sends jesus to go fill a pitcher with water but he lost his grip on the pitcher and the jostling of the crowd and it fell and broke but he I fixes he it. it he spreads his cloak out on the ground and fills it with water and carries the water back to his mother that way he also apparently gets out of work our subtext here is miraculous harvest mm. when during the sowing season of plants not fabric the child went out with his father to sow their field with grain while his father was sowing the child Jesus sowed one measure, but when he had harvested and threshed it, it yielded 100 measures. Then he summoned all the poor in the village to the threshing floor and gave them grain. Oh, he's eight now when he's doing this. Okay, so we have another time skip. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, okay, that's, that's pretty chill, I guess. He's dropped the attitude, I guess, and then he's, you know, giving away, you know, the fruits of his labor. That's all right. Oh, we get a new teacher, Professor Y. Oh, boy. oh no. <laughs> this, poor, <laughs> this poor guy. <laughs> oh, so this one's a bit more ambitious. He's going to teach him Greek first and then Hebrew. He's a bit afraid because he's heard about the story of Professor X. He writes out the alphabet 
and tries to teach it to him and Jesus is just not having it. So Jesus said, I hear from Professor X that he already knew the alphabet and that would probably be really dumb. I don't know. But so it says, then Jesus spoke. If you're really a teacher and if you know the letters well, tell me the meaning of the letter alpha and I'll tell you the meaning of beta. The teacher became exasperated and hit him on the head. Jesus got angry and cursed him. And the teacher immediately lost consciousness and fell face down on the ground. The child returned to Joseph's house. But Joseph was upset and gave this instruction to his mother. Don't let him go outside because those who annoy him end up dead. Oh, so the teacher's dead. Not just unconscious, dead. Okay. I don't I don't know. Imagine it's not clear. if every person that annoyed you just ceased to be on the planet. So apparently this is now a challenge because another close friend of Joseph's who's a teacher... Oh, no. send the child to my school room perhaps with some flattery i can teach him his letters so yes. joseph is a bit cautious i guess he doesn't want to keep losing friends and he says if you can muster the courage <laughs> brother take him with you and so this guy takes him along with much fear and trepidation joseph was not this man's friend he was actually he really hated all of these guys and he's like oh no don't take my kid he's so bad Jesus strode boldly into the schoolroom and found a book lying on the desk. He took the book, but did not read the letters in it. Rather, he opened his mouth and spoke by the power of the Holy Spirit and taught the law to those standing there. Everyone assembles and marvels that a mere child of at least eight can do this. But that's not what we were supposed to be and learning today. Weren't, when did we get the codex? I don't Would know. it not be a scroll? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to look this up. So we can just keep going. <laughs> when Joseph heard about this, he feared the worst and ran to the schoolroom, imagining the teacher was having trouble with Jesus. Who could imagine? <laughs> I wonder why. Who could imagine such a thing happening again and again? <laughs> so the teacher is just like, brother, please know that I accepted this child as a student, but already he's full of grace and wisdom. So I'm asking you, brother, to take him back home. <laughs> please get this kid out of my him. classroom. He's extremely disruptive. I mean, Don't he's so worry. gifted. When the child heard this, he immediately smiled at him and said, because you have spoken and testified rightly, that other teacher who was struck down will be healed. And right away, he was. How? how this guy was dead for several years, wasn't he? I think that he was other just teacher? in a coma. It just said lost consciousness. I'm glad you I know don't, that this I don't think back, they had but... a way to keep him alive in a coma for that long. Just saying. His muscles have atrophied. I can't imagine like, the horrible labors his family has gone through to try and ensure his survival. The bed sores probably that he has on him. Oh, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> I'm just hoping that he was completely dead and then all of a sudden he's like back walking around and everyone's just like <laughs> extremely weirded out and they're like ooh, zombies so now we get a bit more of interesting things that don't involve teachers oh, thank God. joseph sends his son james to tie up some wood and carry it back to the house and so jesus this is jesus half brother this task is a totally normal totally reasonable thing to ask so while james is gathering firewood a viper bites him and oh. as he lays sprawled out on the ground dying jesus came and blew on the bite Immediately, the pain stopped, the animal burst apart, and James got better on the spot. I mean, I don't see why we need to explode the snake in the process. It was kind of doing its thing, but okay. <laughs> see, also, this makes me feel like the only person Jesus actually, like, likes and respects is his mother. Mm. There's some weirdness going on next of... Um, oh, that now is where it gets I, weird. I love, I love you keep saying, "Oh, this gets weird." Well, it's all weird. <laughs> this has been yes. weird from the top down, but yeah, continue with okay. the weirdness. We're now in chapter seventeen. After this incident, an infant in Joseph's neighborhood became sick and died, and his mother grieved terribly. Jesus heard the loud wailing and the uproar that was going on, and quickly ran there. When he found the child dead, he touched its chest and said. I say to you, infant, don't die, but live and be with your mother. And immediately the infant looked up and laughed. Jesus then said to the woman, this is what I think is weird. Take it, give it your breast and remember me. I mean, that's just a really awkward thing to say. Honestly, I thought you were going to say that he was going to bring the baby back to life, but he was also going to like punish the woman for being loud and annoying and like waking him up with her sad wailing. So, I mean, I guess I prefer the 
awkward and possibly sexual connotations of his last phrase to the killing the woman for being sad that I had in my mind originally. I don't know. I feel like maybe this is just like a riff on like there's a story in like one of the gospels of like adult Jesus going and like healing someone daughter who dies. And when she like wakes up from being dead, he's like, give her something to eat. So I don't know if this is just like lousy plagiarism applied to like an infant of like, feed your baby. It's alive now. I can see the wisdom saying, feed this person. I'm assuming there's some sort of like heaven or whatever. Um, You might be hungry when you get back after that trip. Tanya could jump in here, but I don't know if heaven and hell exist. Do those come in existence yet? Are those more of a later invention? Not invention, but like Um, expanded. At the time this was written... Yes, it was. Because we have the whole thing where Jesus goes into hell during his 40 days in the desert. Yeah, he's like in yeah, the desert more or whatever. more medieval expansion of the story. That he goes in and saves Adam and Eve out of hell. He busts them out. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's something that happens? You could just bust he, people uh, out of he hell? Perpetuates, he perpetuates a prison break. Um, this right here is why we made this podcast is because Jen's just been doing this for like <laughs> multiple years. I had no Every idea time. that yes, you could uh, just walk into your dad's prison. You're just like, I'm releasing these guys now. Um, I was just Adam and Eve is a whole bunch of people. Oh, okay. So he's just opened the doors on the maximum security prison and letting all the prisoners out. Uh, what did his dad have like- to say about that? Uh, was there any sort of a... You know, maybe we should save this for another episode. Prison Break. (laughs) Bible edition. So this is basically the end of the infancy gospel of Thomas. The next story is one that like mirrors him. I meant to ask this at the beginning. Who's Thomas? I thought it was James. The supposed person who wrote all this down. Well, then who's the James? (laughs) The person who supposedly wrote. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. Okay. So James wrote Mary. James wrote about Mary's childhood. Oh, okay. And Thomas wrote about Jesus's. Okay. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense. Made up names. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm looking up about hell in English translations. Jesus does talk about hell and his warnings on like the Sermon on the Mount. They're actually referring to a, a place called Gehenna, which is a valley outside of Jerusalem. But he doesn't actually talk about hell. However, I think that our kind of conceptions of hell and stuff, doesn't that come into play with the revelations? Yeah, if at this point heaven and hell do not exist, then like, what the fuck are all these people doing? What is the reward here for tolerating this shit-ass kid? If there's no sort of eternal reward, then um, it just seems you're just, you have before you exist and then non-existence. So really, what's my motivation here for dealing with all these bratty, this bratty child and all these arbitrary rules? Okay, so the idea of eternal <laughs> hell was very much a latecomer on the Christian scene, developed decades after Jesus' death and honed to a fine pitch. And the preaching of fire and brimstone that later followed sometimes attributed to Jesus himself. Torments of hell were not preached by Jesus or his original Jewish followers. Hmm. Yeah, so this is, I'm getting this from a Time News Time magazine article. But supposedly Jesus was in a very long line of serious thinkers who have refused to believe that a good God would torture his creatures for eternity. This is also a huge problem I have with Mm -hmm. Christianity because I also have issues with that whole thing. I'm going to put the link for this in our show note thingy. As you were saying, Claire. (laughs) So there's a lot of Christ the bad boy instances in the Middle Ages, especially with none. So... This is going to be a very abbreviated um, how to even begin to describe this. In the later Middle Ages, we have a lot of times Dominicans, but also other religious orders of nuns who have visionary experiences of the infant Jesus. They're quite devoted. We have nuns who have very vivid imaginations about things that and imagine the Christ child as their own child that they feed and Mm. clove and sometimes they have little dolls that they do this with but like they'll have visions where like they help mary dress the child or they'll they'll hold him so mary can get some sleep and other things and sometimes they have visions and dreams about them being mary and feeling the pregnancy 
I would think not feeling the pregnancy would be one of the benefits of being a nun. Okay. But this is all not, and we don't want to pathologize these nuns or say that no, they're no, crazy. No, 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 no. We won't say that they're really crazy. The power <laughs> of your mind is strong when it comes to so your own We're body. talking about a nun. Margrethe von Ebner was born in 1291 in Donauwörth. She entered a Dominican order of Maria Mettingen in some place in Germany when she was 20. And she lived there for 40 years before she died in 1351. She wrote this series of revelations based on her mystical encounters. Or they were written down by her confessor, Heinrich von Nordlingen. But she includes some of her encounters with the infant Jesus in these writings. And he's not always a good child, shocker. Seems to be a recurring so, theme. Um, sometimes he plays in his cradle all night so she can't sleep. Um, I mean, that's the sort of a kids, kids kind of thing. So she says, why won't you be good and let me sleep? It certainly isn't how I ought to bring you up. And the infant Jesus responds, I will not let me sleep. You must take me on to you. Then I took him out of the cradle with great desire and joy and put him on my lap. And then he was a darling child. Okay. This isn't like too terribly out of the realm of possibilities for a, a small child. I don't know. Tanya, you want to add anything? Well, some of those narratives, they do things where the little baby Jesus will get mad at the nun and then start beating them. I mean, that's worse. <laughs> that's pretty messed up. I mean, I, I'm looking over the weirdness of a talking infant anyway, unless infant means something a little bit different in this context. Not like... No, it doesn't. Small. Okay. So... Okay, a talking baby by itself is uh, extremely creepy to me. Yeah, and that's know. the thing is, some of them, these later religious women who are praying and meditating on the birth of Christ, the childhood of Christ, and thinking about Christ, and then and some of their accounts are being harassed by little baby Jesus, and he's like feeding them or doing all sorts of weird things also sometimes they would nurse baby jesus he seems to be very 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 articulate for a baby also honestly kind of surprised that this weird talking baby infant jesus is skipping over to straight up murdering the nuns and is you know taking the nicer approach of just beating them and harassing them how kind of and him. we also have linked to a vice article about that's titled baby jesus was kind of a dick one of them it links to a book called birth of jesus biblical and theological reflections which we did not get the right chapter for this but in the vice article they talk about how jesus when he was a kid uh, there's an account of him climbing a sunbeam okay so i'm guessing a rainbow maybe it's like on a cloudy day sometimes you get the actual yeah, like rays of sunshine sunlight. maybe you could be climbing that so yeah and then he coaxes other children to follow him up oh no this sounds like a pied piper and, situation and then he lets them tumble to their death so it is a pied piper situation this it fucking is. kid this fucking kid and then <laughs> another one is jesus had like killed some kids right and saw so the parents were yeah. like oh my god we need to keep mm -hmm. our kids away from this freaky murderer yeah, this and is a stupid parental murderous wisdom. child. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep them away from him. So what does Jesus do? You have any guesses? Oh, I probably murder someone, I'm guessing, or all of the children so that they can't be kept away from him by their parents anymore. Anyway. No, no, but he does turn the children into pigs. Okay, it's like spirited so away. So the parents people into pigs. Yes, it is like <laughs> spirited them to the gods. Away. All right, yes. all right. What a cool guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, so he turns the kids, kids into pigs when their parents hide them from him. So I guess the parents come into the rooms or wherever that they're hidden their children from Jesus and it's a pig. Could the parents just like, we uh, are moving out of town. We just have a better opportunity, you know, someplace else. It's definitely not because of Jesus rampantly, randomly murdering people for very, very minor transgressions. Your son is so cool. Uh, we just got to move for other reasons. Not that. This is like a very dangerous town. I would not want to live in the same town as Kid Jesus. Yeah. As Brandon Hawk, who studies medieval literature, notes, is that you have to think about kind of what kind of brings back full circle. But Claire said at the beginning about how it's very clear that there's a very uh, anti-Jewish sentiment. All of the people who have been cursed or died are doubting Jews. And that they're not just falling down and being like, you are the Messiah. And so since they didn't do that, then they kind of deserve what they got. 
Okay. I didn't get that message from it as a modern person. My, yeah, this definitely, um, the first guy uh, Claire talked about was specified as being Jewish. I didn't really get that the other people were supposed to be Jewish, but unfortunately that makes sense. Yeah. And like some of these tales do live on, like the Coptic church uses some of them kind of goes to this whole like sect aspect that we talked about. Do we have other follow-up bad boy Kid Christ stories or thoughts? No, those are the main shenanigans. Okay, you know, can kind of see why these don't make it into Sunday school, because a kid might have a lot of questions. Well, and it's not immediately apparent that Christ is supposed to be the good guy and not the villain uh, in these stories. I mean, I probably would have felt really empowered as someone who was like, bullet in private school to uh, take my rage out in physical means as Claire and Jen now I am always burning the simmering rage underneath so it's probably good that no one told me these stories because I would have been like Jesus killed a kid thank you for listening <laughs> and next time I think we're going to talk about incest cool, yes. Cool, cool, cool. yes we will actually be talking about SEX next time but not normal sex. We're going to talk about why creepy. if you made we'll a movie vanilla. based on exactly what's in the Christian Old and New Testaments, it would mm. be X-rated. Yep. I'm very excited for this. I'm probably going to be very horrified, aren't I? This is going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you are. I'm excited right. to be horrified. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.